0: We're going to be looking, looking in Genesis chapter 25 tonight, Genesis 25. We're looking at a short series of messages on the life of Isaac as a child of promise. Genesis chapter 25 verse 7, let's stand together as we read the word of God. Genesis chapter 25 and verse 7. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life which he lived, 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried, and Sarah his wife it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son, Isaac. And Isaac dwelt at Bir Laharoy. God blessed his son, Isaac. May God bless the reading of his word tonight. It's my prayer. You may be seated. As we consider the life of Isaac, we must continually remember that uh, we're looking at a man whose life was overshadowed by his extraordinary father, Abraham. And his extraordinary son, Jacob. We also remember that Paul in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 28 said, Now brethren, we are, as Isaac was, uh, the children of promise. Uh, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. So we are like Isaac. Isaac was like us in that we are the children of promise. Six chapters of scripture devoted to the life of Isaac. But because of how much of his story is intertwined with the story of Abraham and Jacob, even as you see it tonight, when we're talking about Isaac, uh, still there's the looming, long shadow of his father, Abraham, over his life. This is not an unknown experience to us. Many people live their lives in the shadow of a brother or sister a parent or even a spouse. So that we are mostly known as somebody's brother, somebody's sister, somebody's daughter or son, somebody's mother or somebody's dad. Uh, we have that happen to us all the time. In fact, I heard it a lot this morning uh, as people that uh, uh, Brother Justin knew. Uh, you know, he had introduced, oh, well, you're so-and-so's dad. Well, you're I'm so-and-so's. Yeah, that we do that all the time. Well... Isaac was Abraham's son. By the time he was ready to kind of break free from that a little bit, then he was going to be known as Jacob's dad. Six chapters. So, though a life, though, may not stand out to us individually, we may live our lives in somewhat obscurity, in an obscure manner, I'm glad that God is carefully and faithfully aware of every single one of us. I refer to Psalm 139 a lot because I love this passage. Uh, David said, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. Uh, That means that whenever we sit down, God knows we've sat down. Whenever we get up in the morning, uh, God knows when we're getting up. Uh, You understand my thought afar off. God knows what we think about. You comprehend my path. God knows where we go. You comprehend my lying down. He knows when we're asleep and taking a nap. You are acquainted with all my ways. Call that habits. All my ways. The things I do habitually. The things I like. The things I prefer. You're acquainted with all my ways. Not only God do you know all my ways. But you know all my words too. For there's not a word on my tongue. But behold oh Lord you know it all together. You notice the psalmist said the word is on our tongue. You see God knows what we're about to say before we even say it. Yeah. And so though our life might pass in relative obscurity There might not be a whole lot that uh, will be remembered of us Our God knows us well He remembers it all Today's message will be devoted to some of the characteristics of God's blessings on our life It's going to be revealed in the text in the way that God blessed Isaac. And we saw that. I tried to emphasize that in our reading in verse 11. It came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. Uh, We saw last week, Genesis 24 and 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. God blessed Abraham. And now God, after Abraham's death is going to bless his son, Isaac. It would be a good moment for us then to just pause before we plunge off into this beautiful Old Testament passage and reflect for a minute or two about what the Bible says about God's blessings on us in a general way. I want to show you a couple of passages of Scripture that make a couple of great points for us about the blessings of God on our life. Second Chronicles chapter sixteen and verse nine, the Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. These words were spoken by the prophet Hanani to King Asa. Uh, King Asa had formed an alliance a dangerous alliance with the king of Assyria, or Syria was called then. And God sent Hanani then with this message to remind King Asa that God's eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. And yet here Asa had gone down to the king of Syria and formed an alliance there to try to protect him, as if the protection and provision of God weren't enough. And, and listen, Asa wasn't a bad man. You can study his life. Asa was a great king, but he made a bad choice. So the prophet Hananiah came to him and gave him this message. And as a result, Asa put the prophet in jail. Show you, buddy. <laughs> Don't talk to me that way. It isn't always safe to tell people things they don't want to hear. Especially when you have to speak truth to power. But he did it. But out of that sad Old Testament experience then comes a remarkable statement of truth. And if God had not sent the prophet Hananiah to say something like this, we might well question it. But this is the word of God delivered very faithfully through a faithful prophet. To the king of Israel, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect to him. The more modern translation render that loyal rather than perfect. And that's probably the sense. You see, God knew when Asa turned his heart away from him. God knew when Asa began to seek his own way instead of seeking God's way. God knew. His heart was no longer loyal to him, perfect to God. And yet God reminds him, I'm looking high and low everywhere, everywhere, all over the earth. So that I can show myself strong in behalf of that person whose heart is loyal to me. That person who trusts in him. You know what that tells us? That tells us that God wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. As much as we long for the blessings of God, God longs to bless us. The big question, you see, about the blessings of God is not, does God want to bless us? He does. The big question is, are we blessable? Are we blessable? Are we relying on God, trusting God, seeking God, following God, or have we turned aside on our own way? And you know what? A lot of times our problem is just like Asa. They stop listening to God's word. When we do that, our our hearts are no longer loyal to God. And we find something else to listen to. Somebody else in. Someone else's voice begins to fill our minds. Someone else's thoughts. Besides God's thoughts or God's voice. God longs to bless us. Are we blessable? Second great passage I'll mention just quickly... Uh, about the blessings of God are uh, reminding us of how essential they are to us. This is in James chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variable variableness, neither shadow of turning. We look at things in our life all the time and say, this is good. We might say, this is just perfect. Or we might even use that classic line. It just doesn't get any better than this. Whenever we feel that feeling, it's a time for us to say, Thank you, God, for your blessings on me. All the good things. And life come to us from God, all of them. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. That is the blessing of God on our life. And we need that. We need God's blessings uh, on our work. We need God's blessings on our business. If you're going to school, students, you need God's blessing on your educational process. If you're starting a business or running a business, you need God's blessings on that. You need God's blessings on your marriage. You need God's blessings on your kids. We need the blessings of God. And on a very deep level, we understand that. So when we look at a passage like this in the Old Testament, and it's not like we had to read all the way to the book of Revelation to find it. We're in the Old Testament, first book, book of Genesis, and God's already told us, God blessed Abraham. Now we're going to learn God blessed his son, Isaac. It's a great time to remind ourselves that even though a man like Abraham dies, no matter how great you are, sooner or later, we're either going to go out with a shout or we're going to die. And a great man, Abraham, died. But it's interesting that in the same passage that God's son wrote the epitaph of Abraham, God reminded us, just because Abraham's dead doesn't mean my blessings have stopped. How about it tonight? How many of us right now would sit down and say, I'll take that, God. I'll take that promise that after I die, the same blessings that you brought on me, you're going to bring to my kids. Would you take that promise tonight? God, I want, because you see, as much as we want those blessings and as much as we need them, we want them for our kids even more. What a great passage this is. Abraham died. He was blessed all of his life. And now God's blessings are on Isaac. When you read this, and you might very well read it, you'll learn very quickly that the storyline is not in chronological order. Uh, The death of Abraham is actually given to us before the birth of Jacob and Esau. Uh, But in fact, Jacob and Esau were born 15 years before Abraham died. Uh, You'll see that uh, uh, Isaac and Ishmael, uh, for example, as you go on in in the text, you'll see Isaac and Ishmael buried their father. And yet the death of Ishmael, too, is recorded for us. And uh, somewhat not in chronological order. It's just a, a brief point. It doesn't mean a whole lot. It just in your own study and reading through Scripture, you might find uh, that they were more concerned about recording the events than they were about the timeline. So that was just one of the things, one of the characteristics that we see in Scripture. So with these two thoughts then about God's blessings, let's turn our attention tonight to how those blessings showed up on Isaac's life. First thing, God blessed his marriage. God blessed his marriage. Verse 20 Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So, here is a remarkable contrast that the Holy Spirit highlights for us about Rebecca in pointing out her birth. Her birth. You see, Isaac's birth was a miraculous birth. He was uh, the heir of a most amazing and remarkable family of believers. But Rebecca was born in a family of which only one person in her entire family ever rose to prominence, and that was her brother Laban, and he was an unmitigated scoundrel, Laban. But he did at least rise to prominence. Rebecca, you see, had made a remarkable leap of faith and had freely chosen to be wed to Isaac. She would rise up then far above her background in paganism to experience God's remarkable blessings on her life. And one of the most amazing things that we see about God's blessings then is that he has the power to take our new birth. And all that means to us and see to it that it takes precedence, far precedence over our fleshly birth. Were you born in meager circumstances? Did you grow up in a difficult place? I've told you many times I grew up in a town called Taylor. I had a guy one time, he was making fun of me. We grew up in the same part of the area. We'd known each other all our life. And uh, he was, he was kind of giving me a hard time because I was from Taylor. I said, man, you're from Shangalu. You'd have to be from down there to even know where Shangalu is or Taylor. Look it up. It's on the map, I promise you. So what if I was raised up in Taylor? So what if he grew up in Shanks? What does that have to do with anything? Well, you know and I know a lot of people never rise above their raising. You know and I know a lot of people are raised up in low degree and they take it lower. Aren't you glad that the story of God's blessings on our life is like the story of the blessing on Rebecca? She grew up in a pagan household. But oh, what a household of faith she became a part of. God not only emphasized then uh, that birth of Rebecca, but he also moves quickly to point out Rebecca's barrenness in this text. Many couples have struggled with this problem. It may be difficult sometimes to comprehend our status as being gloriously blessed when there were no children. If you read just the account in our text, you might conclude that this happened very quickly. It did not. Uh, Isaac and Rebecca would live under the specter of not having children for 20 years. For 20 years. This is difficult in any family. But it is especially troublesome in the case of Isaac. Isaac you see was the child of promise. And like in the case of Abraham his father. He was. He had to have a son. He had to have a son. And so for him to struggle all of this time and to see his wife struggling all of this time. Meanwhile, old Ishmael was down there and him and his wife was just popping out babies and boys all over the place. In fact, Ishmael would end up having 12 sons. I don't know if they ever had a conversation. We know they got ahead, you know, got together after Abraham had died. And the Bible specifically says that Ishmael and Isaac buried their father. But, you know, I know brothers. (laughs) It'd just be real hard for them not to say, Hey, Isaac, how many boys you got? (laughs) Yeah, here's my boys, yeah. By the way, Dad sent me away with nothing. you got everything. I'm not sure how much they were together, but I do know this decision had this issue had to weigh on Isaac's name, on my, Isaac's mind. And by the way, how long did Abraham have to wait between the time God made the promise that Isaac would be born to Sarah, his wife, and the time she actually conceived? Isn't that interesting? About 20 years About 20 years. The Bible tells us only this. Isaac prayed and the Lord heard his prayer. In its own way then, the pregnancy of Rebecca was just as attributable to the power of God as was the pregnancy of Sarah. Even though it was not the miraculous element that it had been before, Isaac was pleading with the Lord for his wife, which is certainly an example of the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. He interceded on behalf of his wife. He prayed for his wife. And that was the sore sin of God's blessings on his marriage. Isaac prayed. God blessed Isaac prayed. God heard his prayer. I wish there was some way to convince the men of modern America of the simple truth that God reveals in this passage. It's a lesson we all learn, unfortunately, sometimes forget. And so tonight I just want to remind us, and I say us... That there is not a marriage represented in this service tonight or watching from home that could not be improved by the earnest prayers of a husband interceding for his wife. Who knows how many marriages struggle with their own form of barrenness? I'm not going to promise you that God would uh, give you a set of twins if your husband prays, although he had to admit it'd be kind of fun. <laughs> Well, it'd be fun for me. Uh, I'm not going to promise you that. Sometimes our lives are empty and estranged. Our marriages suffer from an emotional barrenness. The fruit of joy goes from your relationship. And so, guys, let's learn from Isaac's story tonight. Take a cue. And begin to pray for and intercede for and provide more spiritual leadership for our wives. Um, Now, you might be thinking, uh, but you know, I'm pretty aggravated at her right now. And I don't feel like praying for her. Well, that's the time you need to pray the most. It's the time I need to pray the most amazing to watch what God does when husbands as a spiritual leader of their family prays for and intercedes for uh, their wife so there's Rebecca's birth and Rebecca's barrenness but there's more to the story of this blessing on Isaac's marriage because the Holy Spirit also emphasizes Rebecca's confusion her bewilderment Verse 22, so no ultrasounds back then. We know she was pregnant with twins. And the Bible says in verse 22, the children struggled within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Sometimes our blessings don't feel like blessings. The long-awaited conception of children has led to great pain and a A battle going on inside of her. There was no way of knowing what was happening. And so she went to God to inquire of Him. Why? If this is a blessing, God, why does it hurt? What's going on? You know, sometimes we're left to enjoy our blessings. But sometimes we're left to endure them. And we don't understand the difference. We don't understand what happened. If this is a blessing, then why do our blessings hurt? Why do we go through painful experiences with the very things that we beg God to give us? Why? When we're asking that why question, you've already figured out God doesn't always answer it. But this is one of those times where He did. And that just makes it stand out for us. Rebecca went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord answered, verse 23, And he said, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. And they called his name Esau. What does Esau mean? red yeah afterward his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel so his name was called Jacob what does Jacob mean heel catcher heel catcher and Isaac there it is was 60 years old when she bore them see just right there for us they got married at 40 he was 60 when he had the boy when they had the boy These two boys would fight all their lives. And then they would give birth to a whole nation, each of them. Esau would be the progenitor of the Edomites. Jacob, of course, his name would be changed to Israel and be the father of the Israelite people. And Israel and Edom would fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. You see, the pain that... Rebecca was experiencing, had nothing to do with anything she had done, nothing to do with anything Isaac had done or failed to do. The pain she was experiencing was completely the results of the pain, plans and purposes of God. God's plans and purposes, you see, included Rebecca, but they also went far beyond Rebecca. And so we can see when we begin to talk about the blessings of God. That blessings don't always feel like blessings. And we can experience the blessings of God. And sometimes those sufferings bring difficulty. Sometimes those blessings rather bring suffering. Sometimes those blessings bring difficulty. And it doesn't mean that we've gone off on a detour somewhere and missed God. Rebecca was right where she was supposed to be doing exactly what God intended. Everything working right on schedule. But inside of her were two boys that would become two nations. Hard to imagine that two brothers could be any more different than Jacob and Esau. Esau was born red and hairy. He liked uh, the outdoors. He was a great outdoorsman. He was a bow hunter. He He was was a great uh, guy. Uh, Chances are if you met Esau on the street, you'd like him. He was a good old boy. He might have been the original redneck since he was red and hairy. Can't verify that. But he might have been Esau. You know, the Bible doesn't have a single record of a lie that Esau ever told. Not a one. Jacob, on the other hand, would just as soon lie to you and look at you. I mean, his very name, meant a deceiver, a supplanter, a, a trickster, a con man, the guy who sneaks up behind you and grabs you, trips you up and takes advantage of you. That was Jacob. That was his life. That was who he was. But there was more to it than that. Jacob was not an outdoorsman. He was more of a stay-at-home kind of guy. He grew crops. He took care of the sheep. Like to work around the house. That's not the big difference between Jacob and Esau. Jacob would grow to love God and serve him. Esau never had a spiritual thought that the Bible records. Not a one. Jacob loved God and would grow to serve him. Esau had no spiritual inclination at all. But there they were, for all they were and for all they weren't, the blessings of God upon that marriage between Isaac and Rebekah that came because Isaac prayed. Second thing then that the Bible speaks of, of the blessings of God on Isaac has to do with his person. So if there was a blessing on his marriage, and there was, Then we see a blessing on his person in Genesis 26 and 1. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Don't miss that. The Lord appeared to him. The Lord appeared to him. Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws god personally then appeared to isaac and affirmed that covenant blessing that he had promised to abraham that in him all the nations of the world would be blessed in your seed you'd have to read all the way over to romans chapter 4 to find out that that seed was christ it wasn't just isaac and it wasn't just jacob that seed was christ But this was a line of people that Christ was going to come through. First through Abraham, now through Isaac. Again, we notice how that the burdens mingled in with the blessings. Now there's a famine. Not just any famine, but a famine in the promised land. And God began his interaction with Isaac, saying, Don't go down to Egypt. (laughs) That was good advice. Abraham went down to Egypt, you'll remember, in a famine picked up a servant girl while he was there named Hagar. That uh, trip down to Egypt didn't turn out real well for them. Don't go to Egypt, God said to Isaac. You stay in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. So even though Isaac was living out his life in relative obscurity, he is going to be experiencing the blessings of God on his life. It isn't just the story of God, uh, the God of Abraham and the God of Jacob, but it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Many people have to take that prominence test, as we call it. Will they serve God and continue to be faithful when God puts you in the limelight and everybody knows who you are? But for everyone that has to take the uh, prosperity or the prominence test, there are many, many more who have to take the obscurity test. Will you be faithful to God and continue to serve Him, even though nobody knows, even when nobody notices? When nobody sees what you're doing, will you still be faithful to God? When you're out of town on business, will you still be faithful to God? And there's nobody around that knows you. Will you still be faithful to God? The prominence test in the limelight, the obscurity test. Isaac ended up with the obscurity test. And though he might have been unrecognized by men or laboring under the shadows of those close to him who were more important and more significant, the Lord God of the universe knows your name, He knows your location, He knows your circumstances. And he sees every act of service you perform. None, none, none escape his notice. You see, the, the fact of the whole thing is that the only way to get from Abraham to Jacob is through Isaac. And to put that in an even bigger context, the only way to get from Abraham to Jesus. And God said, in thy seed. And that seed was Christ. The only way to get from Abraham to Jesus was through Isaac. And that meant that Isaac and Rebekah had a critical role to play in this overwhelming purpose of God. Called redemption. You say, "What was God doing?" He's just saving the world. That's all. <laughs> just saving the world. And here was Rebecca and Isaac with their own part to play in a much, much, much bigger plan and purpose. Because God was out to save the world. God was out to redeem mankind from the curse of sin. And yes, God certainly knew them and knew their part. He knew where they were and what they were doing. But his plans were far bigger than them individually. I want to say to all you young people here tonight. God knows where you are. Every one of you knows what you're going through. God has a plan. We say it all the time. God has a plan in your life, and he does. But you know what? Uh, God's plan is, for the most part, going to be all wrapped up in this redemptive purpose that he has in Christ Jesus. And it includes you, but it's bigger than you. Do you understand that? Can you see that in how he worked through Isaac? The only way that you were going to get from Abraham to Jesus was through Isaac and Rebekah. That was the only way that story was going to play out. They had a critical role. Yes, they sure did. But let's not forget that in our own way and in our own time, God is still working to save the world. And we have our own role to play. In Isaac and Rebecca's case, that involved the birth of a couple of boys. Uh, You say, well, babies are born all over the world all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've told you before, I'll tell you again tonight, never underestimate the significance of one. God has a plan and God has a purpose and He is working that purpose. That purpose is to redeem mankind. It is to save people. And no, all people are not going to be saved, but some will. And you You have a critical role to play. And so do I. Thankful tonight for Isaac and Rebecca's faithfulness. And the, the, the faithfulness they demonstrated here. Shown in this text. Yes they waited. Yes he prayed. They received God's blessing on their life. So that God's purposes are fulfilled. Let's learn that. It's a great lesson for us tonight. Maybe tonight you have a decision you need to make in response to this or maybe God's just working on you to let you know there's something that needs to happen in your life. You might not even be sure what it is. Find yourself drawn to a service like this. Drawn maybe to watch on TV. What are you drawn to? Sometimes it's God's way of getting across that message to us. That we need something in our life that's bigger than us. Maybe that's our salvation. Which comes to us when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive him. We know that he died on the cross for our sins. Was buried. Rose again the third day. And we call on him. We ask him, please Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Save me. We trust him. And he does. He saves us. Spirit of God then comes to live in us. We follow Him in baptism. We find a church home and become a part of it. And in our own way then, those magnificent purposes and plans of God are operating in us and through us. You never know how one conversation can be a part of changing the world in ways we'll never see until we get to heaven. One person that we meet and greet, shake their hand, never know, never know what that can do. God's blessings. God blessed Abraham. God blessed Isaac tonight. God wants to bless us. And God longs to bless this church too. Let's stand together, please.